Hey everybody, welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I'm your host, Chris Cosentino. We are here to talk about people that inspire and all my guests are inspiring in so many different ways. And I'm really looking forward to digging deep into how they got to where they are, to the top of their game, how hard they've worked, how much they've given up and how they're giving back. So without further ado, here's our next guest. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I am here with Chef Ron McKinley from Canoe Restaurant in Toronto. Welcome. Hey, thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is, uh, I've been looking forward to this. This will be fun. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, I'm really excited because, you know, I've been following what you've been doing for a while now, and I'm really excited to see these old world classic techniques that I truly miss that I've always loved and you're doing them in an incredibly beautiful location I mean you guys have the view of the century I've, I've yeah. to eat a canoe just let me put that out there and it's something that I've wanted to do um just you know there's been a bunch of little things happening in the world that's kind of prevented that travel aspect but it doesn't happen oh. <laughs> so you know what you're doing, I think, is, is really special and it's very unique because you're cooking classically, but you're, you're, you're having this modernization happening to it without it being kitschy, gimmicky, and the, what I like to call bullshitty. And, and to me, that's really special because the classic techniques, I think, have been truly lost in a lot of ways. I mean, the, the, the art form of really beautiful butchery and your, the work that you're doing in the detail is unbelievable. So people look to that and they don't understand how the where's and the why's about doing it. You've trained all over the world. I mean, you've got a pretty extensive resume and you've worked for some people who have worked for people that I've worked for. So I think it's kind of a funny cross around. You worked with Kitchen, right? Yeah. Yeah. For a good while. Yeah. And I worked with Kaufman. Yeah. So there's a, I mean, there's going to be a lot of similarities there, right? Cause he's like, <laughs> He's like the textbook that Kaufman never, you know, you know, never wrote, right? Like he's that that I've never seen anyone respect a chef as much as he respects Kaufman. He's a uh, very very old school like that, and yeah, I learned a lot from him. He was um, he was great. He was really good. I I really I really enjoyed my. I I say I enjoyed my time there. It was the hardest time of my life, but um, like looking back on it now, there's nothing I would change because what I learned when I was there it was uh, very um, you know, career altering um decision to stay as long as i did so are you were you, you're originally from toronto no i'm from I'm, I'm from vancouver so i'm a west i'm a west coast boy um okay. and then, um yeah i left home when i was about i think just after high school i went through cooking school and i didn't really didn't care for it very much um and then i i thought i'd make a go of playing rugby and i thought i was better than i was and you know i went overseas i played new zealand for a while and got bashed by got bashed by the big the big guys over there and and then I came back home and I I needed to do something you know I was kind of in the mix of realizing that I was never going to play the sport that I wanted to play I had no real education because school wasn't my thing you know math and all that stuff it was never really my it was it wasn't in my wheelhouse and then actually my mom and my dad were just like why don't you cook like you you like it and why don't you go back to it? Cause you know, you went through schooling and, and whatnot. And then I just kind of did, I got stuck in, in a restaurant in um, just outside of Vancouver and 
found out about Michelin that way. You know, I'd, I'd never heard of it before. There was no social media back then, right? Like, I didn't know what Michelin was. I didn't know who Michelle Brawl was. I didn't know any of that. And then um, that was it. I, I got a visa and I moved to the UK. And then, you know, that was 2004-ish. And that, yeah, I was overseas for a long time, just working, putting my head down. And it's a different work mentality over there. I think that that also plays into the bigger piece, right? You know, you're working splits, right? Oh, if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, for, for the folks here that don't know, uh, when you work in Europe, you start in the morning, you work lunch shift, you have a little bit of break in the middle. If you can get your mees done, if you don't get your mees done, you work through. No, and then yeah. you go on to work dinner service and then you do a full scrub down at the kitchen and you do it. It's usually six days a week. Yeah. We, we only did five. Um, you know, so we were, we were lucky in that respect, but yeah, I mean, we would start at seven or eight in the morning, uh, push on, get through lunch service. And our break at that time was just taking the bins out. You know, we take the rubbish out to the, to the back. We had to walk around this alley, you know, we'd hide some bones in our apron and, and eat some, eat some stuff sitting on the cans, come back, get ready for dinner service and, you know, do the whole thing over again. And it was like, looking back at it now, no one would do that anymore. Like you can't, but, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't change it for, for what I learned. And you, you, like you said, you learn a different mentality. You learn how to push on, you learn how to put your head down, you learn how to work fast, how to work smart, you know, and how to just, you know, stop whining, just, you know, stop complaining and just, just get it done however you know so it was it's good experience it's interesting because it's it's so about the customer right making the food perfect for the guest there it's a very different yeah. Yeah. because not only is michelin such a big deal but it's just that expectation the expectations are really really high and it's not only thrown upon the chef but it's pushed on everybody to to achieve excellence every day whether it's butchery whether it's you know, knife work, basic knife work, everything about it is about education, passing it down, and then passing it on to the guest. And I think that that for me is really powerful. I mean, in the, and I didn't have that time that you had in Europe. I had much less time. It was mm -hmm. stages here, stages there. And, and it was so overwhelmingly powerful how much information is like you can catch out of the corner of your eye or is being thrown at you. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I remember when, when I first started over there, I didn't even know what charcuterie was. You know what I mean? Like that was a term I didn't even know. And they're like, you gotta you go go in and grab the charcuterie or go in and grab this. And I was just like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like, I'll work hard, but I know I don't know anything. I like so I, I literally started at that level and never had even a glimpse of, of it before. So my whole world was just turned upside down completely. That must have been, I mean, the best part is, is you were in an English speaking area, right? Like, can you imagine if you had picked up and gone to France? Oh, no, I wouldn't. I mean, English speaking, yeah. They, I mean, they spoke Scottish, so I could barely understand them to, to begin with. Like, a, you know. It's called a dialect of English. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, I mean, they pick and choose and you, you figure it out eventually, but it took a while. You know, they, they have different, you know, colloquialisms for like every single word. So that was, that, that was fun. I got it eventually, but, you know, it took me a few years. So when you were there, I mean, you, the difference between working in Europe and working in Canada or working in the States, I mean, you have access to fresh game, you know, oh. un, unlike anywhere else, right? You can, uh, and for folks out there who don't know, you cannot serve fresh hunted game meats in the United States. And I'm, if I'm correct, it's the same thing in Canada, correct? You have to yeah, have a license for, to be able to. Labrador. 
in Newfoundland, like where Jeremy Charles is at, you can yep. serve water. But that's, I mean, that's also a necessity, right? Where they are too. And they, I mean, they live by different rules over there, right? It's a completely different ballgame. But they're, they're, the only, they're the only place that can do it in the country. So I didn't realize at the time when I was there what I was learning and taking away from, you know, I was there on the glorious 12th when the grouse came in and we were plucking them at nine in the morning because our gamekeeper brought them in at seven. They were still warm. You know, we had to have, we had to have the vacuums in the kitchen, you know, taking all the feathers in because the feathers were fucking going everywhere, right? Like, you know, you learn how to cook teal, snipe, woodcock, like all these things during game season that you don't even hear about in North America. So learning all that stuff and like, like I said at the time, I didn't realize, I didn't take on board what I was learning. I just knew that I was completely, completely in the shit every day. And then looking back at it now, like it, it, the wealth of knowledge that I got just from those, those few years there was, you know, it was a game changer for my career. Do you ever take that time to go back and look at those notebooks and how powerful? I have all of them. Yeah. I yeah. took them with everywhere I went. Um, I still have them. And it's funny you say that because during COVID, it was a time when I could actually, we shut down and I was able to actually, you know, take a step back and think and reflect. And I've done a couple other podcasts where people have asked me that. And I never thought about stuff before. I never went back and remembered the things that I've done. I've just always been looking forward and never kind of remembering what I've done. And I've flipped through those old books and there's, there's recipes in there that I wrote down and there's mise-en-place lists and there's, there's supplier names and, you know, all these little things that you completely take for granted until you read them again. I'm like, Jesus, like that's a sauce recipe that you're not going to find in a book or, that's something I completely forgot about, you know, two little small ingredients that can like change a dish completely. Um, so it, it, you know, it, it humbled me a little bit again. And, um, you know, it just, it, it, you know, I put a little bit more pride in my step. Cause I, you know, I remembered how hard I worked when I was there and how hard I'm still working and, um, and, you know, just being proud of yourself that you, sometimes you don't, sometimes you don't give yourself enough credit. And I, you know, I think I took that time to actually allow myself to have it for once. That's, and I think that's really important because in, and nowadays, as you know, they, everybody, all the cooks live off this, right? Oh, that's my kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm guilty too. Like, you know, like. They take pictures of their mise en place on the station and how to lay it out. Whereas back, I mean, I, if I pull out a notebook right now, there's drawings. Oh, yeah. Schematics. Totally. The nine pans, everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You put, yeah. You put your nine yeah. pans and it's like, okay, I got to set up like this again. And then you have the whole other situation of going out to eat, right? You would go out to eat and you would draw the dish because you didn't have a phone to take a picture and you would eat it and you would write notes as fast as you could to try to remember. And mm -hmm. like you said, Michelin, we didn't have the social media. We had food magazines. So menus, whatever you went out to eat became a collectible, collectible you know, like yeah, those were powerful back of menus from like back in the day you know like when I was eating at the Ledbury and things like this back way back when those are those are things that you don't even think about now but like now I have them I look at them I'm like I need to frame it or I need to put it up somewhere or you know there's they're, they're special memories and times because you completely forget that stuff and plus you know at that time you're probably your mid to late 20s you're drinking a lot too right like you forget the meal completely like seven seven courses in seven wine matches you don't know what the hell you just ate and I think it's really funny because when you start to think about that bigger picture of being abroad, being fully immersed in it, and the experiences that are going on around you, it does take that time later when you're older to step back and look at it and go, 
oh, wow, I really did see something different. Like there's one dish that I still to this day can't figure out how they did it. And that was that Ducasse. And it was squab leg that was hot with a cold gelée on it. Still, And that would, that would have been before probably agar and all that stuff too, right? Like that, was, that's crazy. I, I don't know. It could have been agar. I don't know. It was a long time ago, which could really, you know, I'm already, I'm old, but not that old. And I still think back and I go, man, you would think I would have been able to figure that out by now. Yeah. And that, and that, and that is just proper cooking too. It's not like there was some chemical or some anything. They, they just did it properly. Yeah. I, I love that kind of cooking. That's, that's the kind of stuff that makes me like when I see proper cooking that I can't figure out, that's when I'm really like, Jesus, I don't know what he's doing, but that's good. It's, it makes it fun, right? I mean, I think the thing about what this craft is that we are, you know, culinarily, hospitality, you know, what we're doing, we're giving people taste memories, right? But it's, there's something about the forever learning that always draws me back. You know, whenever I'm frustrated and I'm irritated, then I'm like, oh, wait a second, that shit ass mistake I just made, made something totally different that I never expected. Yeah, some mistakes you make make the dish way better too, right? Like you don't expect it to happen and then you just go screw it and you do something so ridiculous and it's like, oh, that's way better. And it's, sometimes it's way easier too, which is which is always better, right? Like it's just <laughs> it's like take out seven steps of the dish, but the end result's even better. Those are the best mistakes to, to have happen. So let's talk about a little bit about, you know, your trajectory. So you're over there, you're, you're working abroad. Mm -hmm. You were there for how many years? I was in the UK for almost almost five years. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. I was. I, I started in the Channel Islands. I, I when I was in Vancouver, I, and this was back in the day before you know social media. So I individually emailed because I didn't know how to copy and paste at the time. I individually emailed every single one star Michelin restaurant outside of London for a job. Now I, I thought I wasn't ready for London, and I knew the level of cooking that was going there. So I emailed every single one star outside of London, and there's a lot. Like, I'm telling you, there's, there's like over 80. And um, I got one reply, of course, because I don't have any experience. Why would they hire some random kid? And uh, the, the one reply was in the Channel Islands, which is like off the coast of France in a, in, on a small island named Guernsey. And uh, I was naive and, you know, you know, young and dumb. And I just took the job. It's like, screw it. Yeah, I'm going. And I took it. Next thing I know, I'm in Guernsey in the middle, you know, like it's a small little place. But, you know, it. It got it got my foot in the door. It got me using um, British British uh, ingredients, and uh, at the end of the day, it saved me enough money to eventually do a little road trip through Europe. Come over, I ended up getting on a ferry in in um, Rotterdam that took me over to Hull with my mate. And uh, he's like, "Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive back down to London." And I was like, "Cool. Well, this bus is going to Edinburgh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on it." And I did, and that was it. I ended up in Edinburgh, and I was there for four and a half years. That's a long time to stay with somebody. Not many, not many folks stay with people that long. So, I mean, I was with them on and off. I did take a break in between and I went back and worked for them again. But I would say I was there, I was with them for almost four years. But again, when I started with him, it was like starting cooking all over again. I had to learn, I had to relearn everything. And he'd only been open for six months when I started with him. Um, so it was before he got his first star. You know, in that kitchen, there was like four of us. It, it wasn't like it is now. Um, but we learned everything from the ground up. I mean, I was working side by side with him. You know, he, he was on the butcher's block, knocking out the hairs in the morning while we were breaking down the mackerel that was coming in still, in, you know, still in rigor mortis and, you know, scallops were coming. And 
everything like roe deer we had you know like everything you can think of he he was getting in and doing it whole so it was i was in no rush to leave i was also scared to leave to be honest he was at that time he was bloody terrifying but um well what's funny let's see if i can find it because i've got his book over here somewhere when you yeah. look at a picture of him he doesn't I wrote look a- tough his curly hair he looks like he's like a nice guy yeah he looks lovely he, he looks really <laughs> You get him in the kitchen and he goes from like five foot seven to six foot eight, you know, like, well, you know, that comes from Papa Bear. Let's be honest. Oh, you know? No, it does. And, and, he, and, and we were lucky enough that Coffin spent some time with us in the kitchen then too. Right. So, you know, I saw him boning out pig's trotters and, you know, tasting a sauce with his finger that was boiling and like, he didn't even flinch. He's a, he was a beast of a man, but an absolute gentleman. And, you know, it was terrifying when he was in the kitchen, but we were all just staring at him in awe. And that was before he opened up Coffin. So everyone thought he'd retired. So we were looking at this like legend of a chef thinking no one else is going to get the chance to cook with him ever again. And he was in the kitchen, hanging out with us in the back, washing dishes. Like, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was an incredible experience. I think that's, there's, there's something to say about, about Chef Kaufman and, and his, the legacy that he's, that he's built. I mean, he hasn't left it yet because he's still with us and he's still killing it when it comes to cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the people that have come through him, but also the respect of that he garners when he walks into a kitchen, when he walks in, even into a room. I mean, we, yeah, it's just the power from, yeah. him. it just exudes and there's no arrogance. There's no pomp and circumstance. Nope. It's just not, not at all. Man. He's just really down to earth. He just, you know, you just, if you do things properly, you, you know, you're good. If you don't, you, don't, you get a good cuff. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, that's kind of, that's a good way to be, right? Cause it's, there's no bullshit. Like you said, like, it's just straight, straight up. It's good or it's not. And fair enough. If it's not, it's not make it, yeah. make it good. That's he's who taught me how to debone pig's feet. So that was well, my first stage in Europe. I went to Harvey's and Marco was there and he looked oh. me straight in the face and told me to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause he remembered when I, he came and did an event here. And then I went over to Latanti Claire and I went in, he had me in, he put me in the basement and he was, he was boning out pig's feet faster than you could even say boo. I had never seen anything like it. And he's crazy how he does it. It's nuts. Yes. Under 30 seconds. Like, and I've done a lot. I've boned a lot and I don't even touch that. No. I mean, he's so smooth and he's super fun about it. And he put me in the basement was down there boning pig's feet and, and one of the comies didn't show up so he put me up on the line for a lunch shift and I was like this is for real like yeah he stood right next to me he cooked the whole service yeah he's a chef's chef right like that's what he yeah. does it was it was pretty incredible and he his glasses were getting all sweaty and fogged up and he leaned forward and he was like clean my glasses I'm like yeah chef took his glasses <laughs> off put them back on <laughs> can you totally see that moment like oh, oh. I was horrified. I, I, I was so nervous of him because of his size and his just confidence. Like, sh- I was like shaking, you know, like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that guy is, I, th- there's a few living legends out there right now, but he's at the top of the list. Like, he's a, he's a, he's a beast. So, so yeah. Cool. So, cool. most- yeah, for sure. So, you know, you're at, you're, you're working with Tom and, and what, what, what is the next steps from there? I mean, you're doing, you're working with game meats and fish and, you know, things that most of the time 
a lot of us don't even see, you know, nobody's getting in whole deer and, and I mean, for crying out loud, getting in hair is just, for me, it's impossible. I mean, we can get them, but it's not as fresh. We're not getting all the blood. We, 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 there's so many things you can't do here in this. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you're, you're having these access to ingredients that for me, I'm, I'm like blown away that you can even have those access. And, and how different is that access what you had there compared to what you can get now? Oh, completely. Like you have to be not, it's not even comparable really. I mean, the, the closest thing we can get now to like getting something in whole is I'll get a whole pig or a whole lamb or, you know, I'll get a whole rabbit, but it's, you know, a rabbit's not a hare, you know, by any means. So, um, but like, even there, we'd get whole woodcocks and, you know, we'd be making a sauce with the bones out of minute, blitzing it, passing it, you know, it's that style of cooking is, you don't see it very much back then. You didn't even see it, let alone now. And I wish we, like, we do get, I know I'm very lucky. There's some farms up here. There's that we get, um, you know, we'll get a whole, we'll get whole squabs and things like that, but, um, getting all the good stuff, the livers and the kidneys and, you know, that I'm sure, you know, it's, it's hard to get from places and, and, and then, you know, a sausage isn't the same if you don't have the kidneys in there, you know, or if you can't age your meat, like you want to, you want to age the meat so long that it's like, you know, not the health board will not let you serve it. You know, like that's the kind of meat you want to be working with. And, it is frustrating to an extent, but it also for you to think outside the box and try to figure out how to get that flavor without getting that product, which is kind of still a fun process. You know, if I want to do hair ala royale here, I can't do it, but you know, maybe I can do it with a haunch of venison and, and make a sauce from the bones and use pork blood to finish the sauce or things like that. Like there's ways to work around it. It won't be the same, but um, you know, it makes you think outside the box at least a little bit and, and still try to get those, those deep flavors that it's, I wouldn't say easy to get over there, but more accessible. And, and definitely they, they, they get the choice of the ingredients that we don't get here. That's for sure. I mean, that is definitely. So you're, 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 where do you go from kitchen? Where do you go next? So my, my flatmate at the time was an Aussie and we were working together there and he'd been talking about um, the food scene in Melbourne. And at the time I was 29. So I could get a visa um, to go work in Australia so I was like, okay, I'm just going to get the visa and get it while I can. And I wasn't ready to come back to Canada yet. So I applied for the visa. I got it and I left again. I went, I didn't have a job lined up or anything. I just figured I'd go. And, you know, I knew I, I had some confidence with the fact that I'd worked for Tom. And at that time, not many people knew of him outside of the UK yet, but I knew that I, you know, I knew I could put my head down and push on in the kitchen and I'd figure it out. So that was it. I got on a plane, ended up in Melbourne and, after uh, one job that I got didn't really work out. And then I ended up getting on the opening team of Maze by uh, Gordon Ramsay, who decided to open up a restaurant in Australia. And that's kind of, that was my first real job over in Melbourne. So kind of working with all the British guys again, really. So it was comfortable for me. And what was that like working there? Cause it's a totally, I mean, you, you have completely opposite, you know, Christmas is definitely not snowy. Uh, for no, snow. it's totally. <laughs> not only is it different like that like the temperature is different but their palates are different they're you know they're a lot lighter the they don't like the heavy based foods the braises and things like this right like it's a lot it's a lot um softer touches to the to their food and i mean it makes sense when it's warmer there you don't want to eat this heavy stuff so um yeah i mean i got the job there and i started from the bottom again i was just the cook on the section and you know started working my way up and i think you know working there 
they were definitely cooking more British food and it didn't really work out. The, the place didn't do so well and um, they didn't take to Ramsey very well over there, the, the Aussies. So um, I was there for six months um, and you could only work for six months per employer uh, with the visa system in Australia, which doesn't make it easy for a chef that wants to work. So after six months, I had to find another employer and I was lucky enough to find one that I stuck with again for over four years and he sponsored me and that was uh, Scotty Pickett. And he, um, yeah, he, he took me, he took me under. And again, he was absolutely, and like to this day, he's, you know, he's a friend, he's a mentor. He's, he, he taught me a lot. And um, I was very lucky to get in with him when I did again, working side by side. And um, yeah, I stayed with him for the rest of my time in Australia. That's amazing. I mean, it's, the, the longevity that you have with people, you know, it's, I think that's something that is missing nowadays. I think that there's something to be said for longevity with an employer, because the more time you put in, the more you get out. And no, I, I completely agree. I mean, otherwise, just every job you go to, you're just going to be put on garmanger for six months, right? Like, you, you don't, you don't work your way up, you don't meet the suppliers, you don't start doing the ordering, you don't, you don't see the financials, you don't, you don't do all the steps it takes and there's not enough people I think that do those long yards with chefs. But again, you know, you got to find the right one that can actually keep teaching you stuff for that long. Cause if you're with someone for six months and you're not learning anymore, then I mean, it is time to move on. I think it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting subject matter. You know, that, that idea of like staying with somebody, having a mentor, having that guidance through the process there's, you know, I spoke with a, with a young man recently that somebody asked me to talk to and um, he's at a pizza place, right? And, you know, to me, I think pizza's incredible, right? Mm -hmm. If you can learn how to make a dough, do you, and it, so all these things, you know, we're having this conversation. I was like, naturally leavened, wild fermentation leavened. I don't know. How big are your, how big are the pies? I don't know. Well, <laughs> what is the dough ball weight? Well, I don't know. He's like, but I'm really bored. So I want to go somewhere else and learn. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, you haven't learned anything yet. Reel it in and own what you're doing. Live and breathe <laughs> pizza because you know what? Pizza is a brilliant thing because it, it, it melds to so many other forms of dough. If you can understand leavening and that natural process. And it made the kids stop and think. I was like, if you're going to be at a hamburger place, make the best fucking hamburger in the world and own it and live it and breathe it and then move on because- yeah. You have to look at it as a craft, right? That's the thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's missed nowadays. I think everybody, there's a lot of generation that want to be, get to the top without doing the legwork. Oh, absolutely. They, they, and, and, and they want to get paid right at the bottom really well before they, they put in the legwork too. And it's, it's, it's something that I, I'm sure it's universal. It's everywhere right now. They, they, they want to be a head chef by the time they're 22. And I, I think they have to realize that, and I've said it many times, and I'll probably will never stop saying it, but it's a marathon, not a race, right? Like you're in it for the long haul. If you're in this industry for the right reasons, like take your time to get to that point. Cause when you're the head chef, you need to have more answers than you have questions. And if you can't answer those things for those kids, you're setting them on the wrong path. And you're, you're setting this whole cycle to just keep going where they're not learning and being taught properly. And I, I take that pretty seriously myself. I don't, I don't think there are enough people that, that take the right steps before they, be, they step into a management role. And, and I think we see that in this industry a lot. I mean, it, it, there's a lot to that, right? There's, there's definitely this concern of necessity of having teammate, team members that can rise up to the occasion. 
but also I think there's just this demand for staffing that's pushing people up faster than they should be. Not, yeah, not that definitely. People, I, I think everybody should make a living wage. Everybody should have health care. Everybody should be treated fairly. Um, everybody should be mm. a fair shot, but I think it should be based off skill set and merit, like learning curves. And I think that we've, we've kind of gotten away from that. You know, people forget that it's, it's about it. Like I never moved into a sous chef role until mm, I would say almost eight years after I graduated culinary school. It took me a while. Yeah. So yeah. I, I was afraid to, because I, like you said a moment ago, I didn't want to not have an answer. Yeah. The guy be like, hang on a minute. I'm going to go read a book or go, you know, look it up somewhere because I don't know the answer. Yeah. That was a big thing of mine. And I, I didn't, that's why I didn't want to be a head chef too soon. And I, like, you know, I didn't start cooking as well until I was like 25, really. I mean, I started with Tom when I was 26, 25, 26, give or take. So already there was no point in me rushing because I was already older than most of the guys in the kitchens. Right. So um, I, I think it's a really important thing to just kind of take your time and learn and be smart about who you work for too. pick the right people. Pick who you can really learn from. Is that where you started really learning the craft of butchery? Because I mean, you have a, a handle of butchery that is really, really exceptional. And like Thank I said, you. I've watched what you've done, you know, and I've seen the food that you've been putting up and I've been watching all the techniques and it's, and it's really quite impressive because you don't see that very often. It's something that I think has been, I think mishandled in young cook, if, mishandled in education for the young cooks, right? It isn't yeah. something that they're taught enough. Um, and I think you've really shown a skill set that's above and beyond. And is that something that you started with Tom or is that something you learned along the way or have you been researching and you know, staging other places as well? Yeah, kind of a little bit of both. I mean, I saw it more with Tom than I actually did with Tom in terms of butchery. Um, but I took that knowledge of seeing all that. And then when I worked for, for uh, Scotty, um, he was doing all that very similar stuff. And I was able to then really get under his wing with butchery there, butchery and sauces and stuff. That was like 100% his wheelhouse. He loved that stuff. You know, he, he did time with Bocuse and, you know, he was at the Square in London for, for a long time under phil howard and that was his thing he loved old school sauces like this guy is uh, you know there's not many more people i respect more than this more than chefo he's um he's a legend and he's absolutely nuts and he's hilarious but when it comes to old school cooking i've never seen anyone make a sauce like him butcher butcher something as fanatical as him um and just recite old school sauces like you you wouldn't believe the guy's like a you know like an encyclopedia um so that's where I really started to understand butchery and really see it as, as something I just really, you know, it was my happy place. I just loved it. I, I love breaking down animals and using every bit I can and creating flavor and doing the sauces, the stalks and, you know, doing stuff with the bones, the ribs, the, the skin, everything. So yeah, that's where I really kind of started to see it as a niche that I was, you know, really interested in. With the food that you're doing at Canoe, I mean, I look at it as, and I see it as like Canadian galore, right? Like I look at that Canadian ingredients, you have this just beautiful venue, you know, the images, when you post those images looking out from, I'm just like, wow, what a great place to work. 
<laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. It's stunning. I mean, there's not many places you get with a kitchen with a window, let alone like floor to ceiling windows looking over the city and, and Lake Ontario, right? Like, yeah, where I, you, um, you don't ever take it for granted. That's for sure. So how are your guests receiving some of these cuts? As you know, you know, full or variety meats, whatever people want to choose to call it, doesn't always have the best it's not always received the best from, from the guests, right? They're a little squeamish. They're nervous. I mean, mm-hmm. but also, you know, you're known for a great hand with them and people respect that. And how has been the guests receiving these dishes? Are they super excited about them? Are they a little hesitant or are you guys kind of having to play the game like I used to, which is familiar with the unfamiliar? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it's taken time. I've been there for four years now and, you know, it was my first job in Canada uh, since I originally left like 15 or 16 years before. So um, when I first started there, no one, knew who, no one knew who the hell I was anyways. And, you know, so they, there was hesitance there and I had to cook for the guests more, more than I ever had. And, you know, this restaurant's been around for 26 years. So there's a lot of people that have been coming there for that long. So they, they expected certain things and, now, now in, into my fourth year, I, I, I'm very lucky with the team that I have. You know, you know, my, my senior suit, Des, has been with me almost the whole time. He used to work with me in Melbourne as well. And my other suit, Eric's been with me from the very beginning when I started at Canoe. And we, we've started to build this little culture in our kitchen where we can do interesting stuff like that, but it's taken time. And I think now people are coming to the restaurant, not just for the view. And I think at the beginning, people came because of the view. and. Um, we're seeing more and more hospitality workers come and, and wanted to, you know, eat, eat the food we're doing. And before, before COVID that wasn't happening as much. So I think there's a shift now where people are, you know, trusting us to just cook and it's, you know, it's taken time and we've done it the right way. We didn't try to shove it in anybody's face. We just slowly over time incorporated one dish that was interesting and two, and, you know, now we do like, you know, shoe farcies and pigs trotters and things like that. But when I first started, I don't think we would have gotten away with that at all. But, you know, it's, it's also taking time to build a team that can can do it as well, because without them, I can't do any of this. And I'm very, very lucky for the guys and girls that I have in my kitchen. They're they're fantastic. I think you just said something that's really, really important. One. Well, there's two things, multiple, but two things that stand out. One, you talk about your team. And I think, you know, there's there's no I in team, right? No, definitely not. No. I mean, there is. And it's usually in the A hole when you look at the letter A. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's the letter I right there, right? The little I. <laughs> but there. the asshole is usually what I say it means. But, you know, your team, you, they're the backbone of everything that, that a restaurant is. It's, you know, we're, as chefs, we're teachers and we're there to mentor them to become the, their best selves. And I think that's a really important piece. And you, we've been talking a lot about education and mentoring the younger generation. And I think that's really, really key. But the other thing that you said that really shines to me is you talked about the guests and that you weren't trying to force something on them. And mm-hmm. That's a really, really important piece there. Like you're cooking for the guest. Right? Yeah. And, and I'm very guilty of trying to force a hand on something that I probably should have never done. Uh, you know, I, I learned pretty quickly, but when I first started, I forced the hand. I would try to force it on people which which doesn't work it just irritates people it makes them angry yeah and 
I think that's being young and naive and uh, putting your ego in front of what the most important thing is, is the customer. Yeah. And that I think is really, really powerful, right? You, you're in a place that's been there for 26 years and you recognize what your guest wanted. You knew how to accommodate them, but also find yourself in that direction, which I think is really powerful. And, and it's a really important message, I think, for the next generation, because it's not easy to do what you just did. Yeah, I mean, and, and thank you. Yeah, I, and, and I think it's it kind of just happened naturally. I don't, I wish I'd, I'd known that beforehand, you know, but it, it, it kind of slowly happened. And again, you know, I'm very lucky because my boss was the guy that was running Canoe before me, John Horn. So, you know, he's someone that I can turn to and ask and he's like, you know, that's a great idea. Or, you know, I was, I've been cooking here. I know what they want. And and vice versa. So we, we ping off ideas, you know, left, right and center all the time. And, and I'm very lucky that he, he, he's there for me to do that with as well. Cause you know, he, he's got so much knowledge work, working with Canadian ingredients and, and as well, you know, running, running the restaurant that I'm now running. So um, that helps massively. So, you know, I did have a, a, a big hand in, in being able to work towards what we're doing now with all that knowledge from, from years before. So that was, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I realized how lucky I am with that too. But I think the, the biggest point to me right there is that you understood, you were able to step back personally, put the ego on the side and motor forward to get to the final end means. Like you said, it's, it's a marathon, it's not a race. And, and, yeah. you're winning, and you're winning the correct way and you're making your guests smile and people are coming back. I mean, people are watching you all over the globe, what you're doing, because it's really interesting and it's really honest and it's really, the techniques are super solid. And like, I'm, I'm super stoked to when I can come and hang out. Like, I just want to sit and watch, you know, like that's, I miss that, that classicness. I haven't seen it in so long and watching it. I'm just like, shit, man, he's having fun. Like you can see yeah, it. Yeah, we know? are. That's the thing. It's exciting. Right. It, and it, it gets me out of bed every day. And, and, and also the, guy, the, the guys and girls on the team are just like, they just want to see it and they want to learn it. Right. And it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's a really fun time to be cooking, uh, here, especially, you know, with, with Canadian stuff too. It's, it's, it's pretty exciting. So what has been the, for you, what is one of the ingredients that you, I mean, pork is definitely magic animal. We know that, but like of all this great stuff that's that's in Canada, I mean, you guys have so much unique product. Right? Mm -hmm. it's, what right now is your favorite? I mean, in every season, there's always a favorite, right? Things come and go. And, that, and I know it's a kind of a shit question because asking somebody what their favorite ingredient is, asking them like, if you got a bunch of kids, which one's your favorite? You can't really do that. But yeah, you, you always have one, but you can't do it, can you? Yeah. You're not supposed to. I only have one kid, so yeah. I can say I got a favorite kid. Oh, you're good. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Ah, <laughs> uh, geez. I mean, that is a hard, that's a hard question. And I think in six months from now, you could ask me that again, and I changed my mind. But there, a couple that come to mind right now is Saskatoon chanterelles are the best chanterelles I've ever seen in my life. And I've lived in Scotland. I've seen some pretty bloody good Gerolles and, you know, chanterelles and whatnot, but they're stunning, you know. And another thing that, Again, going back to, you know, my boss, John Horn, the, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he, he brought up a sample of Canadian swordfish. He's like, you got to try this. It's amazing. I'm like, okay. I, I, and I had this, you know, misconception about swordfish because I had it years ago and it was dry and it was this and that. 
and it was incredible. It was so fatty and good. And I was like, all right, I got on the phone to the supplier and got a whole swordfish in the next day. Like, like literally we got this big ass, like 90 pound swordfish come in and it's one of the most exciting products I've seen since I've been back. It's so like, I can't wait to put it on the menu. Yeah. It's crazy. What are, I know they're not called blueberries but they're elongated blueberries. What are those? I had them when I was in Montreal. Um, blueberries. They're long. Sus- they look like uh, a pinky. They're like that. And they're blue. Not a tayberry. No, not a tayberry. They literally taste like a blueberry and they're blue on the outside and, and the same mouthfeel and everything of blueberries, but they look like, you know, your pinky. They're like long like that. They're oh, you'll, have to, you'll have to call uh, Derek and figure that out. <laughs> He'll, if I text him right now, he'll he'll laugh. <laughs> yeah, he probably goes that you idiot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you dumb? You just had those with me. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't. That doesn't ring a bell. I don't. I don't know. But like, yeah, this this swordfish is incredible. But and and, and a, lot, a lot of the um, seaweeds and stuff that we get as well. I, I've been falling in love with the past couple of years using seaweeds just everywhere in our food because you know that's one of the most abundant ingredients we have, um, and it's fun to use and the flavor is amazing. So. Yeah, those, those would be the those would be the few that pop to mind right away for sure. That swordfish is incredible. Like seriously, if you can get your hands on some swordfish right now, like I it, it was it, it really got got me and the team excited. It was really good. I haven't broken down a whole swordfish since I was in culinary school. It was one of those things that was part of when I you did your school internship. Um, it was at one of the university restaurants, and they had a seafood house. And they got in a whole swordfish. I'll never forget breaking it down. I mean, it was huge. It was like bigger than the table. Like, oh yeah, you, you got to pop down a few cutting boards, right? Like it's massive. It's huge. And the and this guy's like she, the, the the teaching assistant or fellow, you know, was like, I remember, I'll never forget. It was Skip and Chris Beamer, and they were like, Yeah, go for it. I'm like, I don't know. Give me <laughs> some demo here. Like, give me an instruction. I don't even know what knife to use, right? Like, like this thing's huge. It's like bigger than yeah. me. You know, like, I don't know what to do. They're like, oh, just follow this line here and then do this. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, now I look at it and it's almost like breaking down a salmon. Basically, it's got the same anatomy. Right. But like, it's also massive. So, yeah. Huge. Huge. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to get a lot of portions out of it. That's for sure. Yeah. That must be great, though, to be able to have access. I mean, and and where is that fish coming from? Is it like is is they bringing them in on a regular? Is it is it line or? (laughs) It's a, it is a wild cash product. So we have to be smart being in Toronto. You know, I know where I am, right? So if we can get a wild product, we have to be very familiar with using a freezer at times and just be realistic with what we can get and how we can yeah. do it. Um, but that's caught off the coast of Nova Scotia. And I mean, we get it within, you know, a day of it coming off the boat. So they have a pretty crazy infrastructure, how they can get stuff to Toronto. You know, Toronto is a big city, you get what you want, but um, getting good seafood in Canada and in Toronto is, is, you know, we get like the bigger fish are okay. Cause they travel well, you know, big halibut yeah. and things like that. Um, but there's some amazing stuff that we do have, you know, sable fish from the West coast and um, you know, like the wild sockeye salmon that can come in and in, in, in salmon season and things like that we get in. But um, yeah, the, 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 some of the products we get, we're very lucky considering where we are um, yeah. that we look at. Yeah, for sure. So what do you, what are you excited for most about this fall? Cause I mean, you guys are, st- weather's starting to turn a little bit for you guys right now. I know. I mean, I'm jealous. I can't, 
come up and see some leaf changes and, and partake yeah. in fall? Um, I think I think the biggest the biggest thing is I know we, we have a couple of of events coming up that'll be really fun. Uh, we do one called Canoe Wild where we um, my boss goes out hunting. We have a couple guest chefs, um, and then and then it's for charity, so we can actually use wild game because it's for charity. We're not selling the meat, so that's a fun one. Oh, that's great! Yeah, we get really excited about that one, and and I, I think just being able to take on some more staff and be open a little bit more to the customers. You know, we can open up for lunch and then a few more things and. You know, hopefully life gets back a little bit back more to normal and, um, you know, think things open up a little bit more. So we're, we're, we're really excited about that. And, you know, the next tasting menu, getting this, getting this, you know, swordfish on the menu is pretty exciting. So, um, yeah, all, all those things are definitely, you know, we're looking forward to that and, and um, you know, getting, getting, just getting more people in the doors that wouldn't have been comfortable to come in before, you know, welcoming the guests back and seeing their faces and then being excited to be back and dining again and, the energy in the dining room right now, it's, I've never seen it like this before. You know, people are celebrating just being able to socialize again. It's a, it's a pretty exciting time. And, you know, we have to be careful with it all, but like the, the, the excitement that people had to come and eat again after all this time of us being away and not being able to cook for the guests and this and that it's, it's, and we have an open kitchen. So we see them when they, they're eating. Right. So it's a pretty, um, it's pretty special. So it's very, very exciting that. That's awesome. I think that's, I mean, I think right now everybody's really looking forward to that moment when the dining rooms are back open and everybody's there and your team can really do what they want to do, which is make people smile. We give taste memories for a living. It's, mm -hmm. kind, of, it's kind of a cool gig. You know? Yeah. It's not, yeah. It has its ups and downs. That's for sure. But like, that's one of, that's one of the perks, you know, big time, you know, when people come for a special occasion, they're coming to see you. Right. It's pretty, it's, um, it's very humbling. Definitely. I mean, it's, you know, weddings, anniversaries, graduations, all those things, but just those moments of like seeing that guest with that aha moment when you give them something and the look on their face of like bewilderment, excitement, and just awe of what they just had. And it's, you know, that thing is going through their head because you know, you've had those moments yourself and you can mm -hmm. cross the dining room from your kitchen and you can see it happen. That's amazing. I mean, that's what it's all about. No, it really, it, it definitely, it definitely is. And, and when you, when you can point that out to a young cook as well and they can see it, it's, um, you know, it's a pretty, pretty awesome experience. So that's, um, yeah, we're hoping to see a lot, of, hoping to see a lot of those faces coming up soon. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a been a hell of a time to get to, to where we are now for everyone. And it's going to be hard for the next while for hospitality. Like you said, the shortage is everywhere and we're all struggling, but um, it, at least if everyone's coming back with a good attitude and, and, you know, hopefully the guests are understanding of certain difficulties we're facing as well, then, um, we can all get back to normal, just being the best at what we're doing sooner than later. I agree hundred percent. All right. So I do a game. There's no wrong answers. It's just questions. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Red or white wine? White. I'm going white. Yeah. You're going white. Me too. I'm going white. Yeah. yeah. When I when I used to drink white was my thing. Steel or oak on that white? Ooh, uh, either I'm going sweeter, sweeter than drier. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Absolutely, like ridiculous amounts of coffee. Yeah. Espresso, cappuccino. Espresso. Yeah. Or hot dog. Hot dog. 
And then with ketchup too. I'm going ketchup. I don't care. Oh. Ketchup, relish, raw onions. Yeah, I'm doing I it. I like the raw. I'm, I'm a mustard on encased meats. Always mustard on encased meats. Oh, there's mustard on there, but there's a little bit of ketchup. I, and it's going to be Heinz every time. <laughs> this has yeah. been like the biggest conversation <laughs> piece for everybody. Everybody keeps talking about that. Yeah. Okay. Nigiri or sashimi? That's a really good one. I think it depends where I'm, where I am when I'm ordering it. If I'm in Toronto, probably nigiri. If I'm in Vancouver, sushi. You're the second person who's based their answer off of location. It's interesting. Yeah. Sea yeah. urchin or caviar? Say, say that one again. Sea urchin or caviar? Oh, sea urchin. Yeah. I like yeah. them both, but sea urchin is always my favorite. I love comparing the different flavor complexities. Yeah, I mean, they're both delicious, but the sea urchin, when you get a good one, it's pretty special. Like it's, it's, the, it's just creamy and fresh and yeah. Lobster or crab? Crab, 100% crab. What type For, of crab? Uh, well, right now, if can, in Canada, Dungeness crab, for sure. The bodies and everything to make stocks and sauces from, like the flavor gets crazy. Let alone the meat's good, but like the flavor from the car is crazy. It's insane. Yeah. Pasta or noodles? Oh, noodles, Chinese food, 100%. All the time. I'm, I'm addicted to Chinese food. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, All right. Bit. Chicken, fried or roasted? Oh, Jesus. Situational, but probably fried. These are, it's fun, right? Like nobody, nobody knows what to expect when I do this. I mean, if, it's, if, if I'm at my mom's house, it's going to be roast chicken that she makes and I'll take that every time. But yeah, if I'm out by myself, it's fried chicken. I, I do love fried chicken. Like you can ask my mates. I talk about it a lot. Whiskey or tequila? Whiskey. I don't touch tequila. I've had too many experiences <laughs> that, that whiskey. And you know, my time in Scotland as well. Like I, I, I know a fair bit about whiskey. I've got a good little collection myself. I, I do like it. Um, less peated than more peated, but whiskey. Gin or vodka? Gin. I love a good gin and tonic. Who doesn't? I, yeah. I say that. I miss them. I'm just going to say <laughs> I miss gin and tonics. <laughs> a good one that without all the wank behind it and all that, just a really good straight up gin. Yeah. They're yeah. special. Gin and tonics and the gronies always to the end. Yeah. Of the I miss yeah. them. I miss them. I'm three years now booze. So I definitely miss the flavor profiles. Yeah. Those nice drinks too on a Sunday, like a lazy Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Well, yeah. How can you not? Right. Like, yeah. Okay. Brunch or dim sum? Dim sum. One like naughty, like the word brunch just gives me like shivers as it is, but dim sum. Yeah. Well, chef didn't tell you you guys are starting brunch as soon as you can. It's odd you say that because I just did a brunch menu for an upcoming event. So like, I don't <laughs> really want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. You're shooting yourself in the foot if you do a really good one. You know, yeah, I, I know, as much as, you know, we say that we hate the hate that word. I mean, it is kind of a cool, fun way to have a lot of fun. Yeah, if you're on the receiving end of it, in, in the kitchen, it's just, you know, how many ways does someone want their eggs? Like, it's it's crazy. Cooking breakfast has got to be one of the hardest services. There is a breakfast cook in Las Vegas that is officially the highest paid cook in Las Vegas. I believe it. He like, makes insane money and he goes to work at 3.30 and he's done by 11 and he is makes bank. Like, he yeah, he deserves 
he deserves it, man. Like that is, it is, yeah, that's a hard shift, man. Yeah. You got to know how to cook like a mofo to be able to do. Cooking eggs is hard. Cooking eggs is no joke. It's it's a hard, hard, hard task. Yeah. I, I would much rather like just cook wild game on the bone in the oven and get that than have to cook a bunch of eggs. Like I would scrub the eggs way, way more. It's interesting because not a lot of people cook meat on the bone anymore and then carve it off. That's the real traditional way. Yeah, it is. And it's, I mean, there's a reason that the results are better, right? And I also find it easier to find when it's done because you can touch it against the bone, right? Like you get that feel. But when it's off the bone, you you lose that touch. It's not the same. Well, everybody's always going, remember this one? Oh, it's right here. That's a load of shit. It is a load of shit. Every muscle is different. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. It's it's always no. funny for me to hear those. Oh well, you know, I'm like, dude, get a cake tester. There's the closest thing you're ever. Doing. Your lip, your happy days, right? Like, yeah, exactly. that's, that's what we have in my kitchen, and I teach the guys that as well. Like, you can use a probe eventually for bigger cuts in a long uh, in the oven when they cook for a long time, but in, other than that, you're going to be using this, and you you learn how to tell what's medium rare, what's medium, what's you know, like. We cooking. had to switch. We had to switch to everybody doing it and touching it here. Oh, that makes sense. Because guests I, and all that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was actually really interesting. The woman's like, what are they doing? And I was like, oh, they're testing the." She's like, well, how do you sanitize it? I was like, oh, that's a boiling hot water right there. And then, of course, the kid didn't put it in the water and did it again. Course. I was like, yeah. Oh. oh, crap. Well, hopefully no one listens to this and they don't come in and say that to us either. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That was the new one. I had to do that a while ago. That actually, I learned the hard way. Um, okay. I got two more. Cheese. Or sweets? And sour keys are like my vice. I'm going sweets. Okay. Fruit or chocolate? I'd like to say fruit to pretend like I'm really healthy, but like chocolate, man. I love chocolate. Milk chocolate. Bitter or milk? Chocolate. Oh, milk chocolate. Yeah, milk. Really? Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm a big, I'm a big child for sure. <laughs> I was a fat kid and I, I am still a fat kid at heart. Like it, <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah. Oh my God. So I want people to be able to find you. Do you want to tell everybody where they can find you on social media and, and when they're coming to Toronto, where the restaurant is? Yeah. So I'm social media. I'm, I'm pretty active on, on, on my Instagram. That's it. Uh, RW McKinley. Um, and then if you come to Toronto, uh, I'm at Canoe a lot. So we were there a lot. So Canoe's right in the heart of the city. We're, we're in a beautiful venue. Oh, it literally overlooks the entire city on the 54th floor. Um, the windows, you see the sunset when it comes down every night. It's, it's, it's a pretty remarkable, um, remarkable view. So, I mean, at least if the food's horrible, at least you get a great view at the end of the, at the, end of the night, right? So um, <laughs> That's the last thing I'd worry about coming to Canoe is having horrible food. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. Here's hoping, but um, yeah. So that that's that's us. That's us at Canoe. That's what keeps me 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 and my team really busy every day. So, awesome. yeah. You know, I can't thank you enough. It's I'm really excited to have you uh, have the time to chat with you. And yeah, it's been great. Forward to a time where you, Derek, and I can all cook together. Yes, that would be. We should link that up. That would be a lot of fun for sure. That would be. I, I, I did an event with Derek in uh, St. John's at Jeremy's place for um, um, the, the Levi event he does for the hospital. Actually, Jeremy just reached out to me about wanting to come out to do that this year. Oh, such a great event. It's so like, I mean, Jeremy's a special, a special guy. Um, and that 
I mean, it's very close to him. Obviously, it's for the neonatal unit in, in St. John's and what his family went through. And, and, you know, just to be asked to do that dinner alone, I was like re really excited to do it. And, and that year, Damon was cooking it or Derek was cooking it as well. So um, I got to meet him. And yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing event. It's pretty cool. So that would be uh, if you can make it, you, you should do it. I'm trying to figure out how to put all the pieces together. I don't know if they're going to allow you know, if they would allow me to come up, I don't know if Canada is going to shut out U.S. because I know Europe's talking about shutting out U.S. Right? Yeah, now. Months are very pivotal in a few decisions, right? So, yeah. But I mean, if it works out, I, I would always say yes to that event for sure. I mean, it's the stuff that he he sent me a picture the other day. He was uh, he's like, look, I went fishing, and he had a huge tuna, like. Oh, no, it's crazy. He he sent me a message about the tuna. He's asking us if we want to get it because he can send us the whole tuna sometimes. It's amazing what he's able to do. And, the, you know, it's moose hunting and, you know, it's, he's never bored. Oh, and he just makes it look like it's casual. Like, it like it's nothing. Grow up like that. It must be really, I mean, it's ingrained in him. It's his, it is. It it's is. who he is. Like I can't picture Jeremy not fishing or not hunting or doing something crazy like beeswax aging meats or like. Every, every, every manly man thing, he just ticks off the list, right? Like he just sure. got it. Yeah. He's, he's one of the special, and you know, and, and I feel like really, I feel really honored to be able to call Jeremy and Derek, one of my, you know, some of my great friends and, and, you know, it's an absolute pleasure to be able to sit here and talk with you. And I'm looking forward to that time where we can cook together. Yeah, you as well. I mean, I've been following what you've been doing for years. So this is a pretty, um, pretty awesome moment for me as well. So um, I really appreciate being on and talking and this, yeah, this has been great. So hopefully we can meet face to face or I, at least I can cook for you at some point. So. I'm okay, just looking forward to just, all of us hanging out, even if it's just yeah. for coffee and a, and a sunrise and, and butchering some trotters. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd yeah. be great fun. Yeah, we can make that happen. We should, for sure. For sure. Well, thank you again very much. And everybody, if you want to make sure you find Chef Ron, look on his Instagram. It'll be right after this podcast uh, where you can link up right to it. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks, Chef. Thanks.